everyone, this is Andrea. And I'm Natalie. And you're listening to Tipsy Tias. I uh, just wanted to start off this episode with a little quick disclaimer. I am very, very sick. Uh, so if I sound a little sultry to you, that's why. That's disgusting. Another <laughs> disclaimer, if you're sick and you're taking medication or any type of medicine, you should not be drinking. But Andrea's on a purge, a mm-hmm. cleanse, yeah. and um, she's I'm a fine. health goth. Um, I believe in like the natural remedy of grapes and wine. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Please take care of yourselves. I actually feel a lot better. It's just my throat's been acting up a little bit. And also, I'm just dedicated to the listeners. Sure. But anyway, we're back. Um, We're trying out another wine from our NPR Wine Club today. It is the Stones and Bones 2014 Red Blend. Ooh la la. And I just want to say... That I haven't tasted this yet, but it's already my favorite. Probably will be my favorite because the bottle is so fucking cute. It is very pretty. Look at our Instagram. So cute. Um, We're working that uh, iPhone portrait mode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got an iPhone X and I really got to put it to use. She's finally learning her angles and everybody else's angles because trust me, it is a struggle to get Andrea to take a good picture. It's I'm a work in progress and I'm progressing towards the better. That's all that matters. And she's learning how to use hashtags, so I'm really proud of her. Yeah, for that. social media, whole new world. Truly. But I have a great guide. YouTube. <laughs> uh, so a few little facts. Like honestly, um, yeah, this is a beautiful wine, and I also just love the description they have on it because I feel like a lot of wines always try to like amp up like the whole like story behind the wine, like the bougie factor too. Yeah, like the French countryside and exactly. And like I love a good scene. Set me a scene. I want to be there, but also like tell me a little bit about the wine so I actually know what to buy when I'm at the store. And I feel like they definitely did this with this. Let me read you. Stones and Bones was grown in a Jurassic landscape littered with ancient boulders and dinosaur fossils, blending terrific Turiga Nacional, sensual Syrah, spicy Tinta Roriz, and intense Alicante Bouchette, produced a truly mammoth wine, a unique experience of dark berry and ripe bramble fruit enveloped in aromatic smooth vanilla and cedar toast. Ooh la la. Um, and it's 35% Turiga Nacional, 25% Tinta Rodis, 25% Syrah, and Syrah is my favorite wine at the mm-hmm. moment, and 15% Alicante Bouchette. And what's the alcohol percent? Oh, she's high because, right, let me see, I remember it is. Oh. It was 14. It's 14%. 14, y'all. Ooh. We're getting lit tonight, honey. <laughs> like, just like looking at the bottle too, it's like very dark. It's a very dark wine. Okay, so let's let's just pour this really quick. Let's pop her open. Uh, yeah. So as soon as I started pouring that out, honestly, as soon as I got the cork out, all I could smell was wine. Like she smells strong, potent. Yeah. Hell. And like honestly, this looks like syrup. Like the legs on this. She thick. Yeah, they're super, super, super slow. They're just kind of trickling down. I feel like this is looks like a, like one of those like mixer syrups. <laughs> Lean. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Honestly, like I'd be dubious if this was served to me at a party. <laughs> oh my god. 
actually though, yeah, it's it's pretty thick. The color is ridiculously nice though. It's a really rich berry. Yeah. But you can only it's see like it on the dark. edges because it's so incredibly opaque. Also, our serving sizes is like eight ounces right now, <laughs> so that might have to do with opacity as well. All right, so we've been letting it sit now for like a little moment, and I think it's lost some of that pungence. It has. But I definitely smell the berry and nothing else, like not, none of like the, what was it, bramble? Let me see. I do not smell vanilla, and I do not smell toast. I can smell a little bit of cedar. I smell blackberry. Yeah, I smell blackberry as well. There's a little bit of vanilla. I don't smell the vanilla. Maybe I'll taste it more. Let's give it a taste. That's not as strong as I was expecting it to be. Hella dry, though. I don't know if it's because I'm sick, but I feel like I'm drinking water. Really? Yeah. It's like water with, um, you know, like those flavored water spritzers or whatever. Yeah. That's what it tastes like to me. God, how the tables have turned. Yikes. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, the last time you were sick, mm-hmm. you were totally fine too. Yeah, that's true. I'm concerned. Whenever honestly, I'm what sick, is going on with your body? Whenever I'm sick, I'm like resistant to alcohol. I do not know why. Yeah, do not trust my opinion today. Just trust Natalie's. Okay, I'll I'll try to get drunk for the entertainment value oh, then. Thank drunk you. Enough for the both of us. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, I I taste the berry. It's berry. You know what I like about this though? To be perfectly honest, like if you're looking for a vampy goth look. And this you, is it. Yeah, this is it. Like, holding this shit makes you look so... I want this as a lip stain. Yes. Honestly. That is so good. Um, I remember, I think it was, like, New Year's or whatever. My lips were completely... St- oh, no, not New Year's. I don't remember. At some point in January, I, like, was... My lips were completely stained from the red wine I'd been drinking. Oh, my God. Some yeah. point in January when I was <laughs> fucked. Um, and I feel like this is the type of wine that this could happen with. Like, you're going to go home and you're going to have that purple ring on your lips. I love it. Okay. So, um, I did not used to be the biggest fan of red wine before we started this podcast. But um, I would always just get it because I loved the look oh. of having that, like, purple stain. Oh, <laughs> my like, God. Or, like, you know how it, like, can turn your tongue purple? Yeah. Depending on how. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. It's, like, so a classy aesthetic. No. I just like sticking my tongue out. I just think it, no, I think it's, like, I don't know what it is, but I like it. It's like, oh, just sorry, casually sipping on some wine, but everyone can tell. That, like, nice little perfect yeah. lipstick stain on mm-hmm. your wine glass and the purple. Yeah. Okay, but um, my thing was that I think I'd been wearing lipstick or I wasn't wearing, no, I wasn't wearing anything at all. Like, no lipstick. Okay. So I just had a ring. <laughs> and, like, I went home and my mom was like, is that a wine ring? <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> she was like laughing and I was like, oh my god, I didn't even notice. I only had one glass. I don't know how it happened. I did not have one glass. Sure. <laughs> how big was that glass? It was a huge ass glass. Fucking fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> I have drank out of one of those like plastic oh aquariums god. before. <laughs> By yourself? No. That's pretty sad. It came with like eight straws and there was two of us. <laughs> Four per mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Get as much as I can in one sitting. <laughs> Oh my god. It had like gummies in it. It wasn't very good. Um, yeah. I I like it. I like this wine. Even if it's just because it makes me look cool, like refined. Okay. So this um the interesting thing about this wine is like we got it in our NPR box, but we literally cannot find the label for it. Like we just know it's called Stones and Bones and that's it. We even like looked it up online. So unfortunately and it's a limited release too. Yeah. 
so there's so, not much you can do with that which is really <laughs> sad because i want to know more about these like prehistoric peoples yeah jurassic wine excuse me i'm drinking dinosaurs that's everything i, I want that. yeah Let's sneak a bottle into the next Jurassic World movie. Oh my god. Be very good. Um, well, it, it is a wine made in Portugal, specifically Lisboa, uh, which is actually, fun fact, the westernmost capital city in Europe. What? And the only capital city in Europe that sits on the Atlantic. What? Exactly. Wine fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the final thing about this is that it is a $10 wine. It's a $10 wine. For $10, I think it's great. I would pay 20 for the bottle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay. As we let this wine settle, you know, let it sit a little bit, see how we continue to enjoy it. Uh, we just wanted to kind of talk about an experience we had because we recently both went to a lecture. Um, and just for our own, like, safety, we don't and don't want to give away clues about, like, our actual exact location. And also for job prospects. Yeah, so we're not going to tell you who it is here because it might tell you where we are exactly. But if you would like to know who exactly we're talking about, feel free to message us individually. Um, and then if you are the artist who we're talking about and would like to be credited for what you said... Also let us know, but I doubt that they would be listening to us. One of our 19 subscribers. <laughs> um, but just wanted to like set the reason why we're not saying it. Yeah, so um, one thing that we noticed looking at the podcast um, is that we don't really talk about our heritage yeah. a lot. I mean, we we talk about being college students. We talk about our queer identity, but we never talk about... Our, our Latinx, our Latinidad, our yeah. Latinx identity. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's also just because, for me, it it can be a little bit broader to pinpoint than my queer identity. Um, so I guess it's it's been like harder to talk about it directly, but at the same time, like it is such a big part of my identity. Like, yeah, can't not talk about it. So yeah. I kind of wanted to like broach into that because the lecture really was kind of talking about like indigenous communities. Well, community in general. Community in community general. Community in general, which I think we both have struggled a bit with, mm-hmm. um, just like finding our own community because we are both of mixed descent. Descent, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm half Mexican and half Colombian. And I'm half Mexican and half Bolivian. Um, and just say that order, but personally, like, I really identify more with my Bolivian culture than my Mexican culture, just based on other personal issues. But I don't know about you. I don't think I personally identify with one of them more than the other. But I think, um, and not that this is a bad thing, but I feel like there's a lot more Mexican representation everywhere like even at the school that we go to there are a lot of people who are mexican on both sides so it's a lot i don't want to say it feels alienating but it just feels a little lonely whenever Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that i don't see that often so i need i feel like it's up to me to make sure it's like seen or heard or whatever yeah definitely like i i feel like um, a lot of it gets kind of tokenized and this is bad not just because of like Mexican nationality like this doesn't have to do with that it also has to do with like fetishizing certain parts of Mexican nationalities like like people just bringing up like oh pan dulce like avocados love them like that's also like really bad because I feel like a lot of people like latch on to that non Um, non people not people who don't identify as Mexican not that either of us are experts yeah in any way but like you can tell like 
Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo is held up as like a deity of sorts, like an artistic sorts, deity. <laughs> I feel like those are just things that like I don't connect with. And I'm sure a lot of people like Mexico is a very diverse place as well. Like you can't erase a lot of these cultures. Like a lot of Mexican people themselves probably don't identify with that. But a lot of that does get talked about even within Latinx spaces. And I cannot t- connect with I like don't know. Like I honestly I don't even think I ate pan dulce until my sophomore year here. Um I would eat pan dulce a lot back home with my family, mm-hmm. but we never ate conchas because honestly conchas are not the best kind of sweet bread that you can buy. Yeah. But I definitely had a kind of like concha culture moment when I came to college. Oh yeah. Because so. I looked at how everybody else was expressing their identity Mm -hmm. and it was very different from how I was expressing my identity so I was thinking like oh my god I must be doing something wrong or like I must not be connecting to the right things I guess like not enough like not enough Mm -hmm. I was was like oh my god like um here I am at a PWI a predominantly white institution I'm almost always like the only Latina in my class like now that I'm here and further away from my family than I've ever been I need to work hard to connect to that Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, like, oh, my God, like, I need to, like, jump on this bandwagon and listen to all this slam poetry and pick up my cisneros and, um, oh. like, all of this. Uh-huh. Uh, Are you going to say Loose Woman? I don't love all of it, but... Oh, actually, no, not not even Loose Woman. Um, my Wicked, Wicked Ways. Okay. My thing is, like, it's not even, like, I dislike her. I just hate when she reads her own poetry. Anyone, like, look up her own readings? Like, they're the worst thing to ever happen to. This is why I just read them on my own. Yeah, just read them on your own. I like picking and choosing. But uh, but anyway, so I was like picking up on all these different things. Like, oh my God, I got to represent. I need my like concha pin now. And it's an aesthetic. It's a look. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's not the only thing. And I was looking back and I was like, why am I doing this? Mm. This is maybe who other people are, yeah. but this is not who I am. Because you're appro- it's like an appropriation. It's sorts. basically an appropriation, especially whenever I was looking at all the things that were popular within the Latinx community, the Mexican community, and I would go to, like, um, small boutique shops back home, and I'm from Texas, so we're right <laughs> on the border. Tex-Mex is a thing, mm-hmm. and things get blurry there. But I was at this one shop specifically um, that touted itself as, like, a really, like, cool indie boutique shop that, like, sells handmade goods, and I noticed that a bunch of the things there were, like, um, Day of the Dead type of stuff mm-hmm. and a bunch of, like, Frida Kahlo prints and things. But it was, like, the workers there were all white. But, no, because I, I looked up, like, the specific um, designers for a lot of these things, and a lot of them were white. And it was, like, so-and-so went to Mexico and Ugh. found her spirit. Inspired by the colors. <laughs> Inspired by the vibrancy and the happiness of the locals. Yeah. And all these kinds of shit. And I was just like, this feels so weird. Because here they are going back to Mexico and picking up on, like, the pop culture and acting like they invented it. Or, like, Columbusing. Like, they discovered it. Yeah, which goes back to, like, fetishizing, like, certain parts of it. And then totally ignoring others that are just as, like, worthy of valor. That, that's also the part that makes me uncomfortable. Because it's like, like, yes, these are beautiful things. But, like, who's putting it on a pedestal? Like, who's mm-hmm. choosing what it is? Yeah, and I'm not here to, like, bash on my fellow Mexican and Latinx sibs because, like, there are people who do love Frida Kahlo and Pan Dulce mm-hmm. and La Virgen and all of these different things. Yeah, my but problem is, just, like, with, like, non-Latinx people who kind of, like, make that into Latinidad. I, I guess, like, I've never really 
taken on concha culture, I think. Like, feel free to call me out if you know me and you're like, uh, yeah, you did. I just really can't think back on anything, like, personally. And I think a lot of that stems from just, like, when I, when I was in high school, I, I didn't really have any other Latinx people as a support system. Um, not to say that there was, like, oh, I was the only one, but there just really wasn't a presence. Like, I think I, like, knew of, like, four other Latinx people in my school, but, like, we weren't, we didn't have a group or we didn't have any way to connect her. I honestly don't even, I think our experiences were very different as well, which was another issue. Um, but I just remember, like, I think my senior year or my junior year, they started affinity groups and they sent out like surveys to see like what do you identify as and which groups would you be interested in like joining so i do that they send out results like a calendar like when groups are meeting and i notice that there is no latinx group and i'm like uh i go and i talk to the person who was in charge of all this like oh yeah honestly like there wasn't enough people to start an affinity group like honestly you were the only person who signed up for the Latinx affinity group. And that was devastating. Like, I was so sad because I knew there was, like, I was like, okay, I can only identify four, but maybe there's like some I don't know about. Or like maybe the four of us can like, just like finally get in a group setting and talk with each other. Um, but I was the only one. She like was like, if you want though, like so-and-so teacher is like willing to like talk with you and like mentor you. And like, honestly, she was already my mentor. She was already someone I spoke to all the time. So I did end up going her again and just like crying in her office and being like, I'm so tired, like blah, blah, blah. Like, and because of that experience, I feel like a lot of the times I was like, I was personally made an emblem of Latinidad. So I could kind of just do what I wanted. So it was like, it was a bad situation, but it was also like nice in that like, there was no expectation of who I had to be because what I was became Latinidad to people around me. But then that also created a situation was I came here to college and we go to a PWI. But for me, this is like the best, like the best place ever. And like, I've never seen so many Latinx people in like higher education. But at the same time that I feel like I don't know anything about Latinidad. I just know what it means to be Bolivian and what I did, um, which is very different from most people's experiences. So I spent a lot of like, I think my first year kind of acclimating to that. And part of that was like, this isn't my culture. And I think that's why I never really went into like concha culture. I'm totally like 80 miles away from what this is, which kind of isolated me, but I don't know where I'm going. Do you see where I'm going? I don't know. Honestly, the wine's hitting me a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, same. Going back to the speaker is that we've both struggled a lot with our own identities and finding a community. And like, it can't be a perfect fit for what we might want or like a perfect like reflection of our identities but it's like finding a space that can work with our identities i mean and we're both very involved in our (laughs) campuses um affinity group yeah but we've both also had strained relationships with that affinity group yeah my entire first year basically i didn't attend any of their meetings because I felt like I didn't belong. First of all, like I did grow up learning Spanish, but I kind of lost that along the way. So like I can understand Spanish fine, but my pronunciation of everything, as you've probably noticed, is horrible. My vocab is super limited, so I can't 
I can't, I don't feel comfortable speaking Spanish around native speakers because I know that where I'm at is nowhere near as close to where they're at. And I feel like sometimes um, if you're Latinx and you can't speak Spanish, people kind of look, not look down on that, but it's kind of like a joke, like, oh, you're Mexican or whatever, but you can't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. Or like white people who can are like, oh, I can speak Spanish better than you. I'm more blank than you are, you know? Yeah. So that was part of it. I, I think, like, for me, like I said, I just felt like it was 80 miles away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I just felt like, oh, they wouldn't even want me. So my first whole first year as well, like, I was, I didn't really, I wasn't a part of it. Um, and I think Latinidad is also regional. Yeah, that's true. That's true as well. And a bunch of the people here come from the same general area, which is different from where we both are. And it's definitely, the culture there is definitely different from what I grew up with. I don't know, probably what you grew up with as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So there, was, there was like another layer of added Isolation. ins that I didn't get. Yeah, yeah. I think like, I'm not sure what changed because now I feel a lot better about it. I don't know if it's the group that changed or if it's that I molded myself or if there's just a different group of people. Um, but I think it just goes back to like the fact that like, I realize that we're different but you're still a support system to me and I'm still a support system to you. My world really opened up when I, I, I came to school. Um, like you were talking about like the whole like speaking Spanish thing. Like to be honest, like I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Like everyone I knew spoke Spanish. Like I thought like, oh, like my Spanish, my accent's a little wonky. Like that's like the worst. Like I hadn't even thought about it. No, that's a big thing. And also like um, within like Spanish speaking too, there's so many different issues because you have all these people who want to go back to their indigenous roots. First of all, that's a problem, but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, don't speak Spanish. That's the language of the colonizers and all these different things. But then um, I think it was a tweet by this poet, Jessica Salgado. Yeah. Um, and she was like, people say this all the time. And I am definitely paraphrasing here. If I can find it later, I will post it. Uh, probably to our Instagram. <laughs> Go follow that. Um, but anyway, she, but she was, t- uh, it was like a Twitter thread. And she was like, you guys say this all the time. Um, but honestly, like, fuck that. Because like, Spanish is the only language my mommy speaks. And how are you going to tell me to stop speaking that or try to like, get rid of it? If you're really like, for our people, then support our people. You're all like, get rid of Spanish. Fuck the colonizer. Like, all these different things. But some people do not have the access to that. You're not going to go and tell somebody their entire the entire way they've been living is wrong because they were born with something and they don't have the tools to in your eyes elevate themselves above that yeah because i think part of like what the speaker was talking about as well like going back to that was like what can you bring back to your community right and if you you have these tools right supposedly oh that's also like a whole other issue like do you really have tools should you change your community just because you went to college if you you have these certain like new knowledges how do you present that to your community and work with your community if you like aren't willing to see where they're coming from and like see what the context of their own educations their lives are because those are just as important like their dignities their theories like their ideologies are just as important as yours just because you know even though yours came from like a classroom like there's but a bunch of people go and try to claim like their indigenous roots and all these things and be like support me because i'm indigenous and yeah it's cool if you go back and you want to like connect to a past that your family belonged to 
but what are you doing for the indigenous people that still exist today? Like, yeah. how are you supporting them? They're still going through the struggles that you're saying your great, 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 great grandma went through. Mm-hmm. Your great, 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 whatever is dead right now. But there are people out there that are still struggling, still facing all this discrimination. What are you doing for them besides claiming their identity? Because by claiming that you're erasing all the struggles that those people are going through right now. Exactly. Um, and I think the the lecture had this like phrase. What was it? it was, um, it's not about the community you claim, but the community that claims you. So like if this community doesn't even like like if there's no connection between that community and you you really have to check like why are you claiming them like what are you gaining from that are you trying to gain something are you trying to give something and do they even want what you're trying to give yeah but i think also like i don't want to again like i don't want to shit on these people because i think a lot of time people are just looking for something to hold on to and something to help yeah identify i've been them there as. i've been trying to hold i think on we've to all been from, there yeah but you also have to like do some reflecting do some fucking research bitch <laughs> Don't just yeah. see something trending on Twitter or on fucking Me Too or a Mescla or whatever mm-hmm. and be like, yes, I like that. Mm-hmm. Or my hair looks like this or my nose looks like that. Mm-hmm. So obviously my ancestors must have been this. Because it's going back to like trying to elevate some sort of like la raza, like we're all one. Like like you're not everyone, dude. You really are in. I don't like, I feel like I've I've tried to give myself the tools to learn and talk about these things. Like um, I'm a women's and gender studies major with a focus on race, and I I've taken a lot of classes on Latinidad, and I feel like I've come out of them with not much, <laughs> not much gained really. Like I don't feel like I still have the tools to talk about these things because I still feel like I can't go to my mother and talk to her about her identity. And if I can't even talk to my mother, then who can I talk to? Because I, like, I dream... Okay, so, like, I I remember back in our college, I think I'm the only person who identifies with... who is of Bolivian descent at this college. I would cry. I would literally cry (laughs) if I met someone who is of Bolivian descent in any college <laughs> near me. Um, once my uncle like cut out a newspaper article of, of a Bolivian, I think, immigrant who went to Harvard and like mailed it to me. Oh, that's so sweet. I know, but that that's like the level of like, just like looking for anyone. Um, so that's why I think it's important because like maybe it's not, it wouldn't change my life or anything, but it would just be nice. Just be like, just yeah. fucking nice. <laughs> Representation matters. Yeah. But also representation is a trap. Okay. Hey, everyone. No. <laughs> okay. So we've just gotten kind of alerted. So this whole time, we've kind of had our, our friend here who... She was, kind of, she was yeah. just working on homework <laughs> while we recorded. Because we're professionals. Because <laughs> we're professionals. But um, we have been alerted that she would like to speak. So we have... Our friend Melina, our resident full Mexican from California here, who would like to say a few words. And because we are a podcast for the people and we believe in uh, free speech and shit and whatever. Balanced dialogue. Balanced dialogue. And we're always up for a fight and also to be (laughs) schooled. Because, again, we we don't know everything. We like to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's important, for, especially for white bitches like us, but um, we always like to hear from different perspectives. So, Melina, take it away. Oh, man, there's a lot. Um, but honestly, like, ironically, like, I really agree with you guys, especially, like, 
coming from like you know maybe not even like the area specifically of like east la even though like i did grow up part like you know there for like a little bit of my life i could honestly like live my life there not knowing what like latinos like elsewhere like live their mm-hmm. life like because like honestly like where i grew up like everyone you see is latino and you're not afraid of being like latinx or whatever right but then like you come here and like i feel like a lot of people like feel like they have to hype up their latinidad like so much and it's just kind of like like chill like relax like like we know like we know <laughs> after the first time honestly like yeah but again like i think that's people trying to latch onto their identity and make sure they don't lose it. Yeah. But which I, is fine. Yeah. And if somebody's being obnoxious, that's also fine. But I know you have more issues than just that. Well, the problem is the overcompensation, right? And it's like going broader than where your boundaries should be. So like there's times where you like claim things that aren't necessarily yours. And we were talking a little bit about that with indigeneity. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? I feel like this is really rooted in like the Chicano movement, mm-hmm. which basically, um, like, so there's a lot to it, and I don't really want to go into it, but basically, like, you know, Chicanos, like, deserve, like, land in the United States and shit, you know, whatnot, like, like, bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. I hate it so much, like, and I feel like I wish people, like, read into it a little bit more to, like, understand the history of it, especially when claiming, like, Chicanidad especially, and, like, being so, like, hyper, like, I am Chicano or I am Chicana when, like, you know, a lot of parts of it are, like, mad, like, colonialist, especially because a lot of it is kind of, like, oh, we were, like, we descend from, like, the kings, basically, and, like, so there's, like, this oh, like Aslan. Yeah, like, Aslan, or, like, even, like, being the Aztec prince or the Aztec princess, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not gonna lie, like, you know, when I was younger, I'd be like, yes, you know, I'm into it. Like, because, you know, who, like, especially as a group of people um, who have had, like, you know, you know, maybe, like, half of, like, that, like, history obliterated. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to feel special. You want to, like, think of ways to kind of, like... Recreate history. Yeah, recreate history for yourself and feel like you're not just, you know, you you weren't just, like, probably some, like, you know, descendant of someone who, like, happened to be in, like, you know, as they say, like, little campesino that, like, happened to survive, like, you know. But that's so powerful in and of itself, too. Yeah, right? Like, it's, like, you know, honestly, like, I, I really don't think that, like, a lot of, like, Chicanos or anything like that, like, Mexican-Americans are descended from fucking kings right Mm -hmm. so like honestly like for myself like I don't really like to claim like I don't really like to call myself a Chicana because it's also rooted in a lot of like like activism activism that I honestly like don't really like take part in so that's why I really like I prefer claiming just Mexican-American because also like Chicano culture that's also something else like honestly that I'm not really a part of that I've been exposed to through like other people that I've like known in my life but not specifically in my own family because like straight up like I feel like my parents were like you know super Mexican and they still are here and then I'm just like this whole other like you know group I don't know I just think that they're like the Chicano like identity (laughs) isn't like it's not like static you know or just like it's not the way like people think of it I know you have a lot of feelings on Frida Oh, <laughs> let it out, baby. Let it out. Okay, so kind of going back to our history. Fuck my life. Okay, <laughs> so I really I hate Frida. Frida maybe back in her day, you know, probably was like a fucking visionary and shit. But like bisexual icon, disabled woman, definitely, definitely. But like honestly, like I'm just like I'm so sick of her image. She wasn't, like, all about that, like, commercialization. And, like, even then, she was a problematic-ass, like, 
like person because like honestly she appropriated a lot of like indigenous culture mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure you know if i'm remembering correctly like call me out but she was like a half german person from like the upper class yeah wearing you know all this indigenous clothes you know to please her man fucking diego you know and you know i don't want to get into diego because like he himself like i hate him fucking in his like idealization of the campesino and shit i don't whatever that's like a whole other thing but like honestly like her image has been so commercialized like it's ridiculous like like what she stood for back then like it just means nothing now trying to make up this identity for yourself as a as opposed to like kind of like portraying yourself as you really are and not you know not trying to like put all these markers in there like like look at me i am this or like you know anything like that which is kind of like why i hate like goncha culture because a lot of it is kind of like look at me and like all of like you know like look at me i have this special bread you know it's unique to me and like maybe it started off different because like then it was like this is something that makes me an outlier this is my mm. identity but like now i feel like it's like oh i'm with you too like yes me too like oh like yeah definitely. i also eat conchas like and there's nothing wrong with liking things that are part of contra culture or mm-hmm. even liking frida it's just it gets really dangerous whenever such a large group of people begin fetishizing it yeah. and then like calling that a pinnacle of latinx identity instead of what it is which is like mexican identity yeah and like honestly i i i seriously i understand why so many other like latinx groups like hate on that because it's like i feel like mexicanness especially in like the united states has become like a not like a marker but like a just like a like a symbol for like latinidad when it's really not and like i kind of get annoyed at it too and like i realize that's like a huge frustration for like people i I think it's also hard because like yes i want to decenter it from our conversations on latinidad Mm -hmm. but i also don't want to like push it aside completely because it's very important it's very relevant it makes sense like this is a bordering country with the country we live in we have to know about it like we should know about it because it has to do with like the u.s imperialism itself Mm -hmm. um although it does also affect south american countries as well Mm -hmm. um but it's like how do you decenter something without like forgetting it disregarding it Yeah. yeah definitely um and especially when like a lot of it has been like really commercialized mm-hmm. like like conchas that's so commercial like that's so like commercialized especially by like our younger generations like i don't know and that's really like it goes back to concha culture and shit like that oh right? yeah okay it's funny that you say younger generations because my mom's like i don't understand this because like conchas are literally like shit yeah <laughs> like they're beautiful don't get me wrong they're a look you can find one on my instagram mm-hmm. but <laughs> i it's it's not the best bread out there. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna say like, it's mad dry. <laughs> like there's only one time that I had like really good conchas and I, they, they just honestly tasted like croissants. You try to put it in your coffee or anything, it just falls apart. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and see like, that's the other thing, like the commercialization, especially of like, like I hate to say it, but like, you know, like the poor man stuff, like I hate that, like. Yeah. And also it's just based on aesthetics. Yeah. it's just like i don't like i honestly like i get it but i still don't understand why i mean whatever it's trendy to be part of like poor people shit which i think is sort of like unfortunate anyway going back to indigeneity we especially college students we have to stop 
claiming it if it's not if it's not yours especially if it's not yours if you didn't grow up in you know in that community you know we have to stop claiming it because honestly it's not ours like if you can go up i always say this they probably heard me say it a million times (laughs) if you can't go up to like straight up an, an indigenous person from wherever you're like whatever country you have heritage from whatever you're claiming yeah whatever you're claiming if you can't go up to them and say i am like you you're not indigenous you're not living their reality you're not living their experience honestly you're probably in some you know i don't want to say that but you probably have it a million times better off especially if you can go to college so like we have to own up to the fact that we're privileged as hell. Yes, we're probably descended from like all these indigenous groups, but like, if you don't know, don't claim it. You can, you know, you can say you're descended, but like, okay, you have suffered for like a million other reasons, but- But it's not because you're indigenous. Exactly, exactly. And I don't want to be like- A gatekeeper. Yeah, like I don't want to be a gatekeeper. But, like, if that, like, community doesn't really claim you either, like... Then why? Yeah. Why are you claiming it? Yeah, definitely. Especially, like, the group still, like, is alive and thriving. All right, let's just go back to Spanish a little bit because... I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy, too, with, like, the activists and shit when it comes to, like, Spanish. Especially when, like, you know, not just activists, too, but, like whenever people are trying to like reclaim their indigeneity but then they're like trying to speak to me in spanish 24 7. i hate that it's like what are you trying to do are you trying to like you know reclaim your nationalism or are you trying to like reclaim your indigeneity because you know like yes spanish is a colonizer's language but like it's still tied to the people but like with that language just trying to exclusively claim your indigeneity while trying to forget the fact that you're probably mixed in with like some european race in there like that just doesn't mix for me like if you're gonna like claim this language as like you know oh only speak to me in this way or like only say my name this way like you gotta acknowledge the european side too because that's not an you know that's not an indigenous language. You're not taught that part of yourself because a lot of the time you're like I'm not white. Like yes I am a whiter Latina but I'm not a white person. Like, I feel like at this true. point though a lot of us know. No, but I'm saying like growing up. Okay, yes, growing up, yes, I growing agree. up like I didn't I was like oh I'm not white so like I can't claim like these European identities like that's weird. Um, now it's like, oh, I, I don't want to claim it because, like, but I also know it's there and it's through violence. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, everything is contextual. Like, everything's based off of our own experiences. And, like I said before, like, I don't necessarily think I have the full tools to really analyze this in a way that is, like, the most inclusive and the most thoughtful. Um, and I think the only real way is just to, like, keep listening to other people's stories like seeing how they differ from me how they connect to me and like making sure i acknowledge that like i'm not just like creating my own narrative and like putting it on everyone else um and then for that reason like it's not just everything we said it's just us thinking out loud so if you like disagree with us like totally do that and like let us know and like comment and like call us out um but also discuss with us and like 
See where we're coming from, and we're going to see where you're coming from, and that's what dialogue is. Dialogue is good for us, honestly. Yeah. I love dialogue. Uh, I guess, like, the wine really got us going, Um, but that's just our thought. So, like I said, feel free to respond. Uh, what What are your final thoughts on this wine? What are your final thoughts? It turned my tongue a lovely purple, and for that, I am grateful. Lovely. Melina? Um, It's good when you chug it, but they don't condone that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just averse to, like, fucking white, or red red wine. I'm sick, so it always tasted like water with berries, um, but it's beautiful, and it looks great. Yeah, honestly, it's $10, so it's worth buying to put on your shelf to look fancy. Anyway, we'll probably continue this conversation at some point in some other episode. Uh, But until then, this has been Tipsy Tias. I'm Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Andrea. (laughs) Call me by your name. (laughs) Oh, my God. Fucking hell. Have a good night. Have a good night. (laughs) Bye. I don't know how to stop it. How do we stop it?